0: in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned, at the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Matthew, chapter seven. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney.
1: This morning is my day of confession. And got to be honest with you, I am the worst at warnings. It was prior to the men's retreat, probably, what was the men's retreat? September 19th. Prior to the men's retreat, I don't know, about two weeks before the men's retreat, my, um, my change the oil light in my car came on. And um, I just got the oil change Friday. And uh, so you guys are like, oh, that's sad, and and I just got the oil changed Friday, and and, and so you know I, I'm one of those kind of people. I don't know why. I just remember some time ago, and I happened to think of the second service some time ago that that same thing happened, and and I didn't change the oil, and and because it just didn't occur to me. I don't know why the light was on. Maybe that's why they call it the idiot light. I don't know, but but the light was on, and 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 I didn't do anything about it, and so my my car engine. Just wouldn't keep working. So I took it to a friend of mine who's a mechanic and he said, there is a reason why it's not working. It's because you got to pay attention to the warning lights. you got to pay attention to that light that says change the oil. And so although I know that warnings are important, yet sometimes we don't pay attention to them. If your smoke detector goes off in your house or it goes off in your home, that's a warning. Or a light goes off in the car and you see the light in the dashboard window, that's a warning. Maybe in your truck, that's a warning that something needs to be given some attention. And when a warning alarm goes off, it is at that point that you have to make a decision to take appropriate action Or not. You have to make a decision to disregard the warning and go about your business or do something about it. Now, so far here in the Sermon on the Mount, you know, if you've been here, this sermon covers. Chapters 5, 6, and 7. Got a pen? Write that down. These chapters, the Sermon on the Mount covers chapters 5, 6, and 7. And here in the Sermon on the Mount, we've talked about many things. And last week in verse 12 of chapter 7, the Sermon on the Mount was culminated as Jesus gave his disciples the golden rule in verse 12. Look at it. Jesus said, therefore, when you want what you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. In other words, whatever you want men to do to you, you should do to them first. That's different than what the world says. Jesus said, if you want love, then you should give love first. You want people to be nice to you? Then you should be nice to people first. Whatever you want men to do for you, you should do for them. For this is the law and the prophets. Well, here in the Sermon on the Mount, as we continue, Jesus begins to apply all that has been taught. All that he has been teaching and he gives us this morning a series of warnings and every person must make a decision to believe the warnings and take action or not or go about your business. Now, let me tell you something here. Let me just put in a disclaimer, if you will. The things that you're going to hear this morning are not politically correct. The things that you are going to hear this morning are not intended to cause you to feel good or to cause you to leave this assembly feeling religious. The things that you're going to hear this morning are not intended to insult you or to criticize you or to offend you or to step on your toes. If you find what is being said this morning insults you, criticizes you or step on your toes, then you should say ouch or amen. Notice in Matthew chapter 7. Now, before we do that, let me give you an outline really quickly because this is important. You should write this down. This morning and next week, we are going to see a series of two. A series of two? Yeah, what we're going to look at this morning is a series of two. We have two gates. One is narrow. The other is wide. We have two ways. One is broad and one is narrow. We have two destinations. One leads to destruction and the other leads to life. We have two trees and two fruits. One is a good tree with good fruit and one is a bad tree with bad fruit. We have two men. One is wise and one is a fool. We have two houses. One is built on a rock and the other is built on sinking, shifting sand. Which only brings us to eternity, in eternity, concerning eternity, there's two options. There's heaven and there's hell. This morning, we're going to look at specifically, we're going to talk about two gates, two ways, and two destinations. Next week, when you come back, we're going to talk about two trees, two fruits, two men, and two houses, Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 13. Saints, if you're there, say a hearty amen. Amen. Now Jesus is speaking in your Bibles. There's the red letters. You can see that. And this is Jesus talking as he says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Beware of false prophets in verse 15 who come to you in sheep's clothing. See, false prophets, when they come to you, they don't come and show up and say, Hi, I'm a false prophet. I'm here to deceive you and to devour you. They don't do that. They show up in sheep's clothing. And when they unzip their sheep suit, you find that they are ravenous wolves, Jesus said. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. And a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their what, saints, fruits. You will know them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my father, that's who will inherit the kingdom of heaven. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? And have we not cast out demons in your name? And have done many wonderful works in your name? And then Jesus said, I will declare unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sinking sand. And the rain descended. The floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it fell. And great was its fall. Wow. Sobering words. Jesus said, enter, verse 13. Enter the narrow gate. Or enter the straight gate. What we have here? Two gates. We have two gates. One is narrow. One is broad. And you must choose to enter. Now remember, we talked about this in time past. There are two tenses in the Greek language. We have, for the most part, been talking about the present imperative tense. That means to do something and to keep on doing it. It means to do something and to do it continually. Remember Jesus said, ask and keep on asking, seek, and keep on seeking, knock, and keep on knocking, do it, and keep doing it. The present imperative. But here we have another tense. This is not something that you need to do and keep on doing it. It's the aortis tense. A. O-R-I-S-T the aortis tense and that means not to do something and keep on doing it that means to do something one time and that's it do it Jesus said enter that's the aortis tense you got it do it enter the gate do it don't admire the gate. Ah, I love to read the Bible and see what it does not say. The Bible does not say, admire the gate. The Bible doesn't say, meditate on the gate. Amen, saints? And the Bible doesn't say, appreciate the gate. The Bible says, enter the gate. Oh, how many people... Come to church and they enjoy worship. They enjoy good Bible teaching. I know people who are not Christians who enjoy good preaching. Isn't that something? It is crazy. They enjoy good preaching. People come to church and they enjoy good worship. They enjoy good music. They appreciate the good feelings that they get from coming to church. I've been going to church all my life. My grandmama, my great grandmama, my great pappy took me to church all my life. Oh, how I love to go to church. And how many people love to go to church, but they have never entered the gate of the gospel. How many? How sad it is. Many people have never entered this gate of the gospel Of Jesus Christ. The Bible has a lot to say about entering. You remember the story. When Nick came to Jesus at night. Nick at night. I like Nick at night. Don't you? Everybody likes Nick at night. So Nick comes to Jesus at night. And Jesus said to him. You remember Jesus said. Unless a man is born again. He cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Uh, Fast forward in the Gospel of Matthew, we find in chapter 18, Jesus said, Unless you become like a child and be converted, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. As you examine the Gospels in your own time and you study the scriptures over and over and over again, this command to enter is at the heart and the soul of Jesus' teaching. Don't admire the gate. And don't meditate on the gate. Jesus said, "Enter the gate. Enter the gate. Two gates. one is narrow and one is wide. Notice that. One is narrow. Jesus is committing. Did you get? Did you notice this? Jesus is committing the awful sin of being narrow-minded and not tolerant. Oh, Jesus, you're not tolerant. I mean, you you mean to tell me there's one gate? Yeah, Jesus is saying, absolutely. He is narrow-minded. And every Christian ought to be narrow-minded because Jesus is narrow-minded. Amen? There is one gate and that's it. Jesus makes it clear here. There is no doubt about it. There is one right road and there is a wrong road. And Jesus is saying when it comes to choosing a way to get to heaven, there's a right way and a wrong way. There's a narrow gate and there's an attractive wide gate. The gate is Jesus. Specifically, the gate represents Salvation through Jesus Christ. Write that down. Salvation through Jesus Christ. That's what the gate represents. The gate doesn't represent, you know, the pearly gates that Peter is always standing in front of in every joke and every illustration. Well, did you hear the one about Peter standing at the pearly gates? You know. And it's probably the other disciples are like, how come Peter always gets to stand at the pearly gates? How come we can't stand at the pearly gates? Peter's always standing at the pearly gates. Well, that's not what Jesus is talking about. That's not the gate. And Jesus isn't talking about the gate of philosophy or the gate of knowledge. Jesus is talking about himself. John chapter 14 verse 6. You know the verse. It's on the screen. Read it with me if you will. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth and the life. And no one comes or enters to the Father, but through me. John chapter 10, Jesus said again, if any man enters the sheepfold some other way, he's like a thief and a robber. Again in John chapter 10, Jesus said, I am the door and he that enters by me will go in and find pasture. You see, Jesus is talking about himself. And he says, if anyone is going to get into heaven, there is one gate. And he says, I am that one gate. Now, any Jew listening to this. Would understand? See, this is one of Jesus' great, great "I am" statements. One of his great "I am" statements. Any Jew listening to this, when Jesus said, like, as you search his gospels, you can see, "I am the bread of life. I am the way. I am the truth and the life. I am. I, I am the door." And the "I am" statements. Would any Jew ever heard that? They would go, "What?" Because no one would dare to allow the phrase, the term I am, to roll off of their lips. Any Jew realized and understood that this phrase I am was reserved for God and God alone. You know the story. Abraham is standing there before God. And Abraham says, Elohim, who shall I tell them that sent me? And God said what? I am that I am. You don't just walk around saying, I am. I am, people. Yes, I am. You don't do that. It's a phrase, a term reserved, a title reserved for God and God alone. And so when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, I am the bread of life, I am the gate, the Jews were like, oh, what? Because they understood. We don't understand, but they understood. It's a radical claim of Jesus making himself to be God. There's a lot of people who don't like that. There's a lot of people who do not like the fact of Jesus saying, I am the narrow gate and I am the only way. Now, let me confess, I don't like it either. What, Rodney? Yeah, I was telling one guy one time, he says, well, you narrow-minded Christians, I mean, you mean Jesus is the only way? I don't like that, he said. I said, I don't either. He said, aren't you a pastor? Mm, yeah. And you don't like it? Mm, no. He said, what you talking about, Willis? <laughs> I said, no, I really don't like it, man. I said, you know, I, I really would rather be able to tell you that we have options. I mean, I'm an option kind of guy. I, I like 31 flavors. <laughs> I like Baskin Robbins. I mean, when I go to Baskin Robbins, I like it because I've got options, man. I've got choices. I got 31 of them. And, and I'm going to just choose a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of this. Man, I like chocolate and vanilla and rocky road and strawberry. And I like to mix it up in a bowl and eat it like cake. Mmm. I love ice cream. And I love options. And I would love to be able to tell you that you have options. But listen, it's not about me. And it's not about you. Well, I don't like it. So, and your point is, because we don't have to like it, but the Bible is clear. Jesus is the only way to get to heaven. Say amen, saints. He is the only way to get to heaven. Is that narrow? Well, I guess so. But he's the only way to get to heaven. All roads, contrary to popular opinion, do not lead to God. All roads lead to God, people say. And they tell you, they say, you know, you can think what you want, believe what you want. And if you are truly sincere, you'll get to heaven. Listen, you can be truly sincere and be truly sincerely wrong. All roads do not lead to heaven. And I am amazed. I am amazed at how many people, they, they have a problem with Christians saying that Jesus is the only way. They have a problem with Christians being narrow-minded. But the reality is, listen, the re- listen, the reality is we are all narrow-minded. Narrow-minded is not a bad thing. Now, it's only a bad thing in some people's minds when you are narrow-minded about the way to get to heaven. Then there's a problem. When you're narrow-minded about the fact that Jesus claims that he is the only way to get to heaven, and if you don't go through him, you can't get to heaven. Now, if you're narrow-minded about that, that's a problem. But we can be narrow-minded about any other thing. As a matter of fact, people expect you to be narrow-minded. We all are narrow-minded. I was telling you Wednesday night that uh, in school, I was a really bad math student. I mean, I, I just don't get it. I mean, math is not one of those subjects I, I get. My favorite subject in school was recess. I mean, I was with Dr. King free at last. Thank God Almighty. We're free. I mean, I, I, I loved it, man. We come out for recess free at last. Free at last. Thank God Almighty. We're free at last. I mean, I just math. I just I was just not a good math person. English and grammar. And I was pretty good there. But 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 math, no, I just didn't get it. Now, in all the time that I sought to get it, In this area of math, there is one thing that I did learn. I did learn concerning mathematical problems that there is only one right answer. Uh, That I did learn. I would have loved it if the teacher would have said to me, you know, uh, Rodney, um, you know, you got all the wrong answers. And, uh, but I want to be open-minded. I said, what to God? (laughs) I want to be open-minded. No, it doesn't make sense. That's crazy. We all know that when you're working out a mathematical problem, there's only one right answer, and everything else is wrong. I'm taking a trip at the end of the month. You guys know, headed to India. I am praying that the pilot of our airplane is not open-minded. If you know what I mean say amen. Amen. I am praying that he is fanatical. I am praying that he is restricted and that he is narrow-minded when it comes to flying that plane. I want him to be narrow-minded. I don't want a pilot to be flying the plane and thinking well, now you know there are many different ways and roads that get to India. I don't, I don't want that. I don't want a, and I don't want an air traffic controller to be open-minded. You know, breaker, breaker one. Well, wait a minute. Is that the trucks? That's the trucks. All right, the tr- whatever. You know, uh, air traffic controller person. Um, um, Pilot, um, you know, you you can uh, choose a runway, any runway you choose will be just fine, over and out. Be like, no, I want an air traffic controller to say, pilot person, you have runway, whatever it is, land on it. No, you are not free to land the plane wherever you want, all roads do not lead to India land the plane on this runway why i don't want an open-minded air traffic controller i don't want an open-minded pilot
0: you have been listening to salt and light a radio outreach ministry of pastor rodney finch and calvary chapel kerry located in apex north carolina join pastor rodney monday through friday at this same time for information regarding service times